Hello, everyone. This is episode 19 of the Uncivilized podcast, about four months after I said we would do another one. Uh, and I was saying I would hope we could do more because I had summer and then I proceeded to not do it. <laughs> and then about four months since I messaged Julian and said, hey, come back on. But we are finally doing it. This is the third time Julian's been on. And if you've listened to our podcast or if you just listen to those, you know, those are some of our more denser episodes. Uh, but they're awesome. They're incredibly challenging in that they kind of go against some of our other guests or some of even the beliefs that Brady and myself hold. <laughs> But I've come around a bit with conversations I've had with Julian over the last like it's like two and a half years since I've known since I've known them now. Uh, so if you just want to uh, go a bit into the work that you do, some of the books that you've published, and maybe your website or anything else that you think is relevant. Yeah, um, I've written three books with Feral in the title, all kind of on eco-anarchist philosophy, ontological anarchist philosophy, anti-civ individualism. However you want to, uh, however you want to. What box you want to put it into? I wrote a short story um, called Masodma about living in mass extinction. I've put out some couple poetry collections. I'm putting out another poetry collection soon. Um, I've written like essays and stuff, which can be found on my blog, um, Eco Revolt blog. Um, and oh, I'm feeling so cringe introducing myself. This is horrible. Uh, objectify me. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what more to say. No, that's that's awesome. That's a good start. Um, I like how, and this is something that Brady and I have always had interest in. Uh, it was I think it was the second episode, but you probably touched on it in the first. Is some of your eco absurdism, or that's what you've coined it. Um, I'm not trying to go out and say, oh yeah, Julian is the founder of eco absurdism in the same way that someone might be a a Marxist of some kind. Um, but I'm curious if because that's kind of like the, in my opinion, kind of the basis of the idea of this episode. So how would you, to someone, kind of describe what eco-absurdism is? Or otherwise, kind of what is your philosophy without putting too many labels on it? Um, I couldn't say that I'm the founder of eco-absurdism. In terms of what eco-absurdism is, um, I wouldn't say, in terms of like a founder, that sounds like eco-absurdism is... Uh, something that i made um whereas mm -hmm. i'd really i i'd, I'd say first thing eco absurdism is you know it's a conceptual signifier it's a word i've attached to you know um to a certain experience and that experience is the eco with you know it's like ecology uh environmentalism you know being in the world being in uh, living space and then absurdism uh so yeah there's, there's there is a philosophy which we can kind of link to Kierkegaard, Shestov and Camus and others that's called absurdism um which is which you know I find a lot of interest in or I found a lot of interest in um absurdism it just really refers to the experience of absurdity the experience of kind of you know, uh, a lack of reason, a lack of meaning, an absence of point. But with that, you know, a not kind of wallowing, self-piteous you know, nihilism, not not nihilism as kind of anarchist nihilism, but nihilism as like a self-renunciation, life renunciation, um, and 
So in terms of what eco-absurdism, what I mean, what eco-absurdism to mean, um, rather than what it might mean in a anyone else, I really mean a kind of environmentalist thinking, um, a kind of relationship to being in the world that embraces a kind of an experience of absurdity, an experience of being cosmically stupid, um, and um, and with that a kind of humour in the absurdity, a sense of uh, uh, you know an acknowledgement of that sense of kind of sadness that goes along with that, um, and very much as as is very much part of absurdism as a philosophy movement, if it can be called a movement, a rebellion and revolt, um, uh, and a refusal to um, to life renunciate, a refusal to um, uh, just go, yeah, I accept death and I embrace my own uh, annihilation. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of the, uh, the, the most condensed description I can give of that. Um, concept of an experience that you know the experience comes first um the concept yeah just, yeah but the, yeah that, that's kind of the, the easiest way i can um I can do that mm -hmm. and for anyone that would be interested in reading the most about it would you say that it comes most out of your three feral books or out of your egoist is it e is it an egoist egoist eco egoist destruction of species being in speciesism would you say that's like kind of a that's a bit of a, obviously it's an essay compared to a book. Is that a, like a fair introduction to like kind of what you're talking about? Not about the absurdism. That's more towards, that's more to do with what I'm talking about regarding um, egoism and humanism and species being. Um, the absurdism, mm -hmm. uh, there's, the, there's the essay, which was a talk that I did. Um, okay, humans, what's the fucking point? Um, mm -hmm. That's that's a like a good kind of a nerdier, more, <laughs> like um, nerdy a place to go with it, but really, if I was to recommend something that's much more um, kind of portray the experience better, um, is the short story Masodna because that was really um, that was for me like the focus of that um, of that story. Um, yeah. yeah, and there is a um, I did record a um, an audio book version of that, which is on the blog, which can be listened to for free. Um, uh, so yeah, that's um that's that's there, but that's that's where I'd kind of go for my my kind of um if anyone wants my thoughts on on that um in the Sodma or the nerdy essay um on you know, environmentalism and absurdist philosophy. Awesome. And for anyone curious or interested, I'll have all of basically everything we talk about will be found in the description, the website, and specific essay links that audiobook too. I really recommend the audiobook or its printed or text version. Remember, you had me review it before it went up, and I thought it was one of the most interesting stories to come out of what I can say the larger green anarchist. You know what I mean? If that's a fair label to use for the sake of it, kind of out of that milieu, like that it's like from the perspective of a non human creature and a time period before humans. Like it was just so interesting how you conveyed your philosophy through a, a non speaking animal, right? It reminded me of, of Quinn without. A talking sentient gorilla. Um, so I definitely recommend people listen to that. But that's really awesome. Again, like this is something we've kind of touched on 
um, before, and I thought, Brittany and I, re- I remember after both of the episodes, we always talk about, like, holy fuck. I remember when you first mentioned eco-absurdism, Brady, like, binge-read and did all this cool stuff. We had a bunch of conversations about about that idea for, like, the longest time afterwards, because it, it puts a lot... I think when you, again, not as a concept, but as, like, an experience, a lived experience, your, you know, people's relationships, that resisting this life denial uh, that comes out of a lot of, like, environmentalism, in my opinion, that it's like, oh, you can't do this, you can't do that, sort of, you know, it's kind of like, you know, just life denial, I like the phrasing, obviously, coming out of, like, Nietzsche and others, that it puts to words a little bit uh, what a lot of people, I think, experience with, with nature or wildness or whatever you want to call it. So I just think it's always so cool whenever we talk about it, and I, I want to relate that to, like, a larger conversation about, like, green anarchy and, like, anti-civilization. And the reason I kind of talked about your eco-egoist destruction is because that relates to the the last episode we did on, or I did, on Zerzan's, um, the review of When We Were Human. Because I remember you and I had some really interesting conversations about that text. And would you say that it's fair that your eco, or that your ego, your eco-absurdism, excuse me, your eco-absurdism relates a lot to your would you call it anti-humanism? Is that fair or is that not? Or I think would you, say I think you mean the, the eco-egoism, which the eco-egoism, um, which goes with the absurdism in some ways. Um, but that that's definitely uh, part of my uh, anti-humanism. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I think that it's um, eco-egoism is not a concept that I made. Um, but you know, in terms of relate, you know, my. Um, mm-hmm me talking about these these words and whatnot these ideas i don't think that the words and ideas and the concepts are as important as the the what the you know the experiences that we're relating to and um um that we're uh, that we're having and sharing mm-hmm. yeah so i'm um, my curiosity i think i should rephrase it like this how does your eco-absurdism relate to your larger philosophy that's how i should have phrased it my bad that i would i'm just bad with words i suppose it's it's still too early for me how would you how do how do you think you would how does it inform maybe your your larger philosophy or your view does that make some sense yeah, yeah. so the, the eco-absurdism that I experience informs it essentially as something that's been there's, there's a quality that I, my experience and my experience of writing the books and my experience of you know going out and doing, um, uh, you know, doing the activities that I'm engaged with, um, as only you know, in terms of like, you know, cosmic perspective, the world has a you know, you know this planet this this Earth, it's not going to last forever. It, you know, it's, at some point, um, it will. All the environmentalist work, all the kind of ecological care you can do, you know, it will it will be meaningless and kind of pointless. You know, in that kind of cosmic pessimist sense, it will be absurd. You know, eventually the sun will explode and take out the planet. So you could say on some on that sort of level, you could say, what is the point giving a shit about mass extinction? What's the point giving a shit about global warming? You know, it is utterly absurd on on you know in in that sense, and you know, and even on a more kind of uh, on a less you know, out there, science fiction level, um, you know, 
could say, you know, we're in a mass extinction event, you know, 200 species a day. Why does this, you know, this idiot give a shit about badgers? You know, it's just one species. It's, you know, it's absurd. What, you know, you could, you can have that thing and that be true. And then still have this experience of, fuck that. I care about this. Fuck that. This, this is something that I care about in my life. Um, in in a way that I can completely accept mm-hmm. is 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 stupid. In the same way that caring for my own health is stupid, because eventually I'll die. You know, pathetic. Um, you know that sort of kind of uh, oh, it's all gone, isn't it sad? You you, you get what mm. I mean? Yeah, yeah. So I I really love that that in spite of type of thinking, right? That it's mm-hmm. motivating in that sense. So I'm I'm out of curiosity because I'm actually I'm not familiar with this myself. Which did was there a realization that you came to first, or was it kind of a larger kind of wave that helped you through your reading and through your at practice between your your love for human and non-human life, minerals, the earth itself, if you want to refer to it as as a whole as a part as opposed to its you know, it's pieces, which, you know, you've also written a text on, (laughs) um, um, or, and then this, this absurdism, or did it kind of all come to you together? Like, what, does that make sense? So I understand your question correctly. Um, my kind of broader, largest feeling of care kind of didn't happen as like a, there wasn't like a moment where it was like, I feel this way. Um, okay. Uh, like I can remember um, being uh, being about twelve years old, and a fox um, that was obviously very ill coming onto the playground at school. And I went and sat with it um, all through the break time, like first break, and then called in to go back into class, um, and I refused to. Um, believe it i sat with this fox all the way like through like the next up until like lunchtime and then through like the lunch break and then in the early afternoon uh, the fox died um mm. and i'd sat with it as it was dying and i you know i was weeping the entire time and then i got taken home um after that and i had that you know that feeling of care is something it is an experience that i've had there wasn't a point where i can say i i felt this way then it was just like um just an experience i've had um uh in terms of the uh more hylozoic affirmation of kind of life um in a non-reductive sense like not going i care for these individual you know this, this collective this this thing more than i care about this um that was uh, more about um that kind of happened Partly as a result of things from uh, cancer treatment, where I was kind of found myself thrust more into a kind of uh, a feeling of more bodily affirmation, um, with in terms of my experience of individualism. Um, so with that affirming bodies that I can relate to, um, what I call tribalistically or face to face, or kind of you know the, the face of a of a rock, the face of a tree, however you want to put that, and having that direct, um, immediate encounter, which where I live is kind of there's I'm, I'm 
really glad to be able to relate to lots and lots of individuals who don't get attributed the label um, of, of human to. And so I can I can do that in a broader sense. Um, yeah, it's 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 difficult to kind of say whether or not it yeah, there was a point where it happened or if it was something that you know possibly merged out of you know lots of different uh, experiences that you know came together to a certain intensity of experience. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's the the best answer, and it, it's it, and it certainly was not something that was kind of thought out, rationalised, um, came from a theory, came from an ideology, came from a politics. Um, it was, you know, it's very much something that was, uh, you know, um, outside of that noise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You'd say there's not a moment, but at the same time, I feel like a lot of people, like, being with the Fox and having that that connection, that sort of, like, cathartic's not the right word, but the very emotional relationship with an animal, you know, an individual that's dying. I think you would hope that to some people that would make an impact and other people, you know, they go out of their way to kill those creatures uh, for sport. So it's obviously, evidently, it's not that way for everyone. Um, you kind of just touched on it a little bit. Um, would you say that you are cr- critical? I'm doing air quotes as if people could see that. Uh, of technology, not technology, we know the answer to that, of ideology. Like, when because the, the way you kind of talk about things, you're like, oh, it's less about the concept and more about the experience so to speak. So would you say that you are critical of ideology or or would you say that you don't typically care to even think about it? I have what I guess could be called um, a uh, <laughs> um, a somewhat schizophrenic um, or contradictory uh, relationship to ideology in that, you know, which I think is a possibly argued best in feral consciousness um which is that i am anti-ideology i i I consider myself anti-ideology um not just ideology critical um uh, Mm -hmm. but with that um i also believe that the um hyper exploitation of ideology um is a uh is a way of creating involutions or collapses, um, uh, both in a kind of uh, thought sense of ideology. So ideology is like theory, and also as ideology as a uh, um, material apparatus of civilization. Um, you know, um, so, which is kind of somewhat informed by uh, a Kamatian perspective on on the collapse <laughs> um but um but you but you you get what i mean i i i yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I i am um, so i i believe that i uh, you know i believe that ideology has um a potentially desirable use um which i try to exploit but then i don't see ideology as like where i want to sit and live um i'd mm-hmm. much rather sit and live in individual experience um and uh with and and with that um firm something that is you know not localizable in the sense that ideology is just localizable yeah that's 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 interesting because i think uh when i think anti-ideology um i tend to think kind of like that ultra left kind of the 60s ultra left 
Marxist circle, you know, like, um, oh my God, the, you know, the situationists, for example, I kind of think of them and like, um, some of their American counterparts, um, writing on like kind of anti-ideology, obviously you kind of come at it from a different perspective, um, but kind of similar at the, the same time. Um, but move, moving on, um, I'm curious about kind of con- comparing and contrasting a bit of like the work that you've done in terms of more air quotes, because I know you hate me when I ever I say this is theory. I'm not calling you a theorist, so please don't get upset with me. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, contrasting that with a bit of like, I would say the, the, the long-term humanist philosophy and green anarchy. Um, again, this is conversations that came out, and we're not saying that if when we talk about people for the audience, we're not saying they're wrong. It's just another perspective. Um, offering different perspectives or alternatives, I think, is better than saying, "Oh, this author's wrong and my perspective is right." It's kind of a bunch of totalitarian ideology bullshit to begin with. I just want to preface that. So, this episode originally came about as a conversation a while ago, uh, as Julian and I were kind of both reading um, "When We Are Human" by Zerzan, which, by the way, did an episode on that. And I know you you wrote something. Was it just one thing, or did you write two things on the book? I can't remember. I wrote one review. Yeah, and then, yeah, okay, and that's on your website, and we'll link that. Um, it was an incredible book. Obviously, I have disagreements with Zerzan, and I know you have disagreements with Zerzan. So I was curious if we could kind of go into the way your anti-humanism is still, in, you know, and how it connects to, to green anarchy, or more specifically, just the movement against civilization, or the thought, anti-civilization thought. Um, and again, I, I'm going to keep referring to this piece because I love it in Eco, Egoist, Destruction of Species Being and Speciesism. The opening line of, for a union of egoists that include all living flora, fauna, and mineral individuals. That's one of my favorite. Um, it's just in one sentence, but I love it. That's a good summary of that whole work. Um, would you say that's kind of like the foundation of your kind of anti-civilization, but also, would you call it post-humanism or would you call it anti-humanism? Like, how would you classify that sort of thinking that anti or i guess just anti-speciesism or anti-species essence um how would i classify it uh i mean like as someone who doesn't really like class you know um class <laughs> theories and like you know as like that sort of how would i classify my anti-class um because so, it comes it does come from like a kind of uh so yeah, you could call it. I wouldn't call it post-humanism. There was a point where I might have called it post-humanism a few years ago, but in terms of what post-humanism is generally referring to, I wouldn't use that term. And uh, you could call it anti-humanism, um, and I, yeah, I would. I'm ha- I'm comfortable with that. Um, certainly not misanthropy. Um, and um, you know, I'd also you know I'd call it anti-speciesism. Um, I'd call you know. I call it egoism, um, but really, when it you know, it's much. It comes from individualism and anti-collectivism, um, mm-hmm. kind of you know, as affirming uh, individual living beings um, in non-reduced sense. So it's not like you know, it's not reduced to a collective of certain individuals. Um, it's not uh, reduced to um, like. These individuals are, are, are worthy of care because um, because they're part of this 
you know this massified um, set of objects that we attribute value to um, uh, it comes from this this thing of this affirmation of all living beings as being unique in a way that's non-reducible and um, uh, is kind of um, a form of weird holism, uh, not holism as like an explosive um, kind of collectivist holism, but an implosive holism um, uh, that's kind of uh, different from the kind of holism that you'd get at most deep ecology nerds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, that's really interesting. So my curiosity then is, as a critique, is it coming out of this civilization because of the way it classifies things and it contrasts, obviously, the way civilization propagates itself on the human-non-human dichotomy um, in the way that it, it sees human and non-human life as capital, right? In the way that Perlman kind of describes Zex, for example, in, in, as the worker bees of the, the Leviathan. It's, is that kind of a perspective as well? Or, or, or would that be incorrect to assume? My, are, you, are you asking me where my, where my rejection of civilization and kind of criticism of civilization comes from? Kind of, yeah. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to piece it together with other parts that you're saying, yeah. Because actually, let me let me say this is because some of the way that some primitivists right is that because we reject hum the human or the human notion, whatever, however you want to phrase it, is that we fall into like postmodernism and therefore we can't have a critique of civilization. That is kind of what comes out of Zerzan's mo most recent book. I remember I reading that I was kind of like, what? It was just interesting because I think it kind of dismisses non-humanist critiques of civilization and obviously i'm a bit i'm anti-humanist to that's something i've talked about before and you know that's kind of what you're describing and that that kind of irks me the wrong way because that's again kind of a totalitarian view of oh you can't critique it unless you critique it the way that i do so i'm just maybe opening up the floor to that a little bit in terms of where in my life my my critique of civilization started started two places um one was very experiential, one was somewhat theoretical, um, well, it was theoretical and then expanded. So the experiential one um, was learning um, that cancer is a, a disease of civilization, and then reflecting that upon my experience of having been a cancer patient, what that kind of meant for me, my relationship to civilization and all of that. And then... You know, I was not an environmentalist before I became like uh, anti-civil. It wasn't. It wasn't because of kind of as an anti-civil my perspective, um, and it wasn't. I all that stuff kind of came from all this. You know, all this stuff has come from my anti-civil stuff, which kind of came from uh, my you know the theory that um, that Freud puts in civilization and its discontents about the repression of the individual. Um, and I was, you know, I was very, um, my philosophy and when well, I was very informed by individualism um, from kind of before that point and then it still is afterwards. Um, and so it was, you know, um, coming to uh, experience civilization um, 
as something that is not just, you know, it's not just limited to one form of politics or one form of economics or whatever, um, but civilization as a, you know, a form of machinery that was, um, you know, that, that is repressive on an individual level. Um, and there was various kind of other bits of reading and whatnot and personal reflections that happened after that. But that's kind of where that started for me um, was those two things, which was um, both of them were kind of early in the coming out of cancer treatment and whatnot, coming back into doing stuff with my own self-empowerment um, following that. Um, and then in terms of how that differentiates from uh, Zerzan's stuff, which I think is what you're kind of wanting to bring us to. Um, yeah, and if you'd, yeah. if you'd rather not go into a specifics uh, of Zerzan, but maybe if you want to... Uh, I'm, more, I'm, really, yeah. I'm really happy to talk, talk about it, because, you know, I have a... Okay. You know, as much as I have differences in perspective with him, I, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not one for... Like, you know, I'm openly anti-dialectics. I don't believe in... Um, you know, the idea of I have to negate anything that, um, you know, doesn't conform to my thesis. I don't have, yeah. I don't, I, I don't feel um, personally threatened by Zerzan's difference in perspective. And I really okay. value, and I really value Zerzan's work, um, you know, as much as there's, there's aspects of it that I, I disagree with and some bits that I dislike. Um, and in that book, there was a point where I had massive disagreements and dislikes in my review, and I voiced, I voiced, voiced it in the review, and Zerzan responded beautifully. And I think yeah. that really speaks to, um, you know, to the authenticity and the um, the openness that that he has. And so I, you know, I, I feel very affirming of of that. Um, so in, in terms of uh, Zerzan, obviously has. Um, not just a kind of a political um, and belief-based investment in um, humanism, but he has a kind of... Zerzan has dedicated a huge amount of um, personal work, life energy, um, to, uh, to his writings and to all that he does, which is very much based in anthropology. Um, mm -hmm. And anthropology you know, begins and ends with this concept of the human, you know, this idea of this object, uh, this, this set of beings that you know that contains all these you know, individual, you know, these, these however many numbers you you know whatever number it is right now, however many billion, um, you know, he has has that relationship um yeah and i can completely um empathize with the experience of i've put in all this work into what i you know what i'm doing i don't you know, i don't want this to challenge or undermine what i've been doing and you know, in terms of because in terms of if i believe in what I, i'm doing so i don't want you know um anyone to undermine uh anti-cull activities you know I, I i really want cull stuff to be challenged and i don't want the challenges to cull stuff to be anyway inhibited so if zerzan yeah. believes that what he's doing has some level of value in that way i can get why he's uncomfortable 
with the kind of perspective that I might bring that is, you know, that is not based in anthropology, that is not, uh, does not embrace this concept of uh, humanism or humanity or whatever. Um, and so I can, I can appreciate that. Um, where I differ um, is, um, is in that I, I, you know, I don't believe in this, uh, you know, uh, in, in the, the reality of this, you know, this collective uh, totality that is, you know, that we call humanity in terms of, I believe in it is to the degree to which it's, uh, it's a fictitious entity that we've created in the way that all sets are fictitious, um, which is, you know, I, I'm drawing here from a kind of very mathematical um, way of talking about sets and collectives and, you know, um, yeah. but, but, but yeah. in terms of, but, you know, that's largely where I kind of, I can kind of draw my, in terms of the best way for me to explain the kind of radical individualism is, you know, maths is, so I don't really like maths very much. Um, <laughs> it, 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 it does come from this kind of um, uh, affirmation of, you know, you know, <laughs> Wittgenstein in his in his work Tractatus Logicus Philosophicus, you know, he describes quite rightly, in my belief, as all sets set theory as being symbolic fictionalism, um, which I can affirm as you know uh, and 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 share in, and I I come. I do believe, kind of, uh, agree with the nominalist kind of assertion that really you never get past one. There's only ever one of, you know, uh, everything is always one. And I think that, you know, in terms of that holism I was talking about, um, I think that, you know, the whole thing of we are one in terms of the big sense, as much as that can be true in a certain sense, it also means that we are one in a way that's, you know, uh, Reducible. So I am one being that is this being that I am that has the experience of being, and then within me there are you know potentially infinite um, ones that you know, you know in a way that I know is contradictory, but I'm happy with the contradictions. Um, you know, it, there, there's irreducibly one. There's the one being on my eyelash, and the other one being on my eyelash, and the one being in my you know, it just goes down and it's far more complex than I can ever describe or put into words. Um, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, and so I, with that, I don't believe in this, you know, in this set, um, this totality that is humanity. And I don't really have an experience of being part of humanity in terms of, you know, this, 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 this thing that is, I don't know, seven, eight, nine, ten, whatever billion individuals included in I, I don't have an experience of that I have an experience of being this, this one individual um, and relating to other one individuals I re, you know who have all you know who I, I might you know be able to talk about labels of their you know the individual who I live with that you know we might share a, an experience of they're a cat um, but that's just a, a name I, I put on them um, yeah yeah so I so I sorry Oh, I was going to say, so would you say that, because I think it was you that introduced me to this term, but I might be wrong, talking about Zerzan, anthropological realism. I'm not sure if that was you or not. Um, so kind of this 
a lot of your philosophy, at least in regard to the egoism or the 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 radical individualism, is this uh, this opposition to biological and anthropological and other um, realist philosophies, right? Because that's kind of what they are. They're philosophies, right? You find ph- anthropology, but you can make a philosophy out of it. To me, it would be a philosophy because, like you said, it starts and ends with the human, right? Which already itself is a constructed notion based off commonalities, so to speak, right? Like, we have certain things in common, but it's also, like, arguably we have as much as different from each other as any other person or individual or human individual, you know? Would you say that's fair to say is that, like, it's an opposition to these realisms? Uh, yeah, I, I, I very much, you know, I'm, I I would quite happily uh, describe myself as an anti-realist in that sense, yeah? I, I don't yeah. I don't believe that there's any... Um, you know, I can I can draw from certain philosophies, and I'm happy to draw from in terms of the way that I think that you know, ideology, philosophies, whatever you want to call it, should be hyper exploited to to the point of collapse. Um, mm. I can I can you know I can draw from I, I in feral consciousness I did draw from anthropology, but that doesn't mean I'm an anthropological realist. Um, I, I you know I think that these are these theories and whatnot. They you know use them as yeah, you know, as tools, but really, it, it's you know, I I I I affirm far more the individual experience. That that is the you know, that that's what is that's what holds most value to me. Um, I you know, in terms of the way I'm, I'm talking about relating to um, ideologies or philosophies is very much uh, what is called psychic nomadism. So you know, not feeling fixed down to one little you know one thing and being able to move between spaces and kind of go, yeah, I can draw a little bit from that. And I don't have to believe in all of that, um, but I can take that bit for what I, I, I need and and have that, you know, have that as something that I, I can hold value in, but not take it all on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of second nomadism, uh, the next book review, probably next episode is invisible generation by Jason Rogers. And that's a theme throughout the whole book. And he has an entire, um, Basically, two, I would say specifically two essays dedicated to psychic nomadism. And it was one of my first times reading something so in-depth. Um, but it, the whole time I was thinking, I was like, damn, this sounds like something Julian would, would write. So it, the overlap was really incredible. Uh, so people might have a lot of, if you have a, if they have a lot of interest in what you're talking about, they will have a lot of interest in that book review. But yeah, like, you're the first person, I think, that introduced me to this anti-realist philosophy or anti-realist perspective. Because... You know, I grew I, I grew up. It sounds like I grew up reading Zerzan. No, I, I came up in, in eco anarchism, green anarchism, anti civilization, reading a lot of Zerzan and kind of accepting it, right? Because at the time I was also an anthropology major, so it made sense to me. Um, and then I read Sterner. I was like, wait a minute, <laughs> there's a lot going on here. And then I met you, and you're like, you know, anti civilization with Sterner as a tool. We'll refer to them as a, Sterner as a tool, and then a philosopher because he would probably beat me to death with his bare hands if I called him one of those. <laughs> um, it's just interesting, again, having different perspectives while still coming to similar conclusions, but not really, but kind of. Um, I kind of want to just talk more about this anti-realism, if you don't mind, because I've talked about this before, um, this kind of anti anti-humanism in that sense but people are like well obviously humans have always been doing it right like apparently you know whether or not they can even be substantiated that we always we've always identified ourselves as one group as opposed to and then contrasting ourselves with non-humans so to speak right 
So my curiosity is how do you respond if you respond to those things at all? Like, do you think they're just reproducing the same historical realism or species essence that you just don't even care to engage in? Like, how do you respond to the sorts of, well, people do it naturally? You know what I mean? Um, I'm, yeah, in terms of, well, this is what people have always done. Um, I mean, I don't know what people have always done. I don't think anyone really knows. I, I, I'm not, a, a, you know, I don't really put a lot of value in uh, history and historicizing. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know what, I don't really know um, what people did, you know, before civilization or in the early years of civilization. I have beliefs that might be informed by some historical perspectives. Um, but, you know, I, I generally treat all of that as kind of like, well, none of us have an experience of it. Really what we're talking about is just, we're just doing my story is better than your story. Just like arguing mm -hmm. over which is better, um, Narnia books or Middle Earth books. You just go, it's, mm -hmm. uh, you just go like, all right. Um, yeah, you're talking about your, your, your favorite narrative and that's, if that's what you want to do, that's fine, but it doesn't interest me as much as other conversations and, yeah, and other ideas. Uh, I, um, in terms of how, you know, uh, how it relates to um, my feelings regarding humanism, I think in, in terms of how, and how those sorts of conversations relate to humanism, um, I've actually got prepared for this conversation um, a couple of uh, just a couple of bits I thought you'd find interesting um, from a book that was actually um, a big in influence on uh, my Feral Life book and on the collection of poetry that I'm putting out soon, um, which is on um, is uh, Agamben's book, The Open Man and Animal. Um, mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of really um, really interesting stuff in in here. And I just um, it, it is somewhat of a historical perspective um and he does do some historizing in this which is you know not what i not my my what i do but um it's um it's an interesting perspective so first um reading uh, is in our culture man has always been thought of as the articulation and conjunction of a body and a soul of a living thing and a logos of a natural or animal element a supernatural or social or divine element we must learn instead to think of man as what results from the incongruity of these two elements and investigate not the metaphysical mystery of conjunction, but rather the practical and political mystery of separation. Uh, so that's the first reading. So what, in terms of the whole conversation regarding humanism and what human is, how, that, you know, how that's separated uh, from the animal, um, like if you take uh, someone like Derek Jensen, who did like the, his book uh, "The Myth of Human Supremacy," um, a lot of the conversation is very much focused on that kind of metaphysical mystery of kind of you know bringing it, bringing it together, kind of going you know actually, um, you know, the you know trying to say animals are like humans in all these ways, and so they're they're not so different from us. And um, what, in terms of my mode of anti-realism, is I, I'm much more interested in, you know, what's the 
practical stuff that actually does this what's the what's the what's the physical relational not the theory not the ideas what's the what's the way that we're how we live it does that and that's you know that's that's rooted in technological apparatus and mm-hmm. and which frames psychological uh psychogeographic um forms of experience um the other just while i'm doing this because it doesn't follow exactly from what we were just saying but um it's a nice in terms of our conversations and in terms of why i uh generally will refer to myself as a badger more than any other um way of referring to myself um but uh man is the animal that must recognize itself as human to be human um and so that's where i i think there is a with with that i think there's a aspect of you know you can say that humanity exists as much as um individuals you know, it's like santa claus or uh um or you know if we're going to open this up to a more atheistic kind of perspective or uh yahweh jehovah whatever you know we can say that they exist as long as people recognize them and talk about them as things they exist it's like the, you know or we could take compare it to the number three number three exists as long as we say it is but it, you know um so as, you know i don't believe in humanity as a you know as a as a thing that is real but we can say that the reality of humanity is something that is there in the world as long as individuals recognize it as something uh is there make sense yeah yeah that reminds me of the notion of like if you're familiar with myth makes reality that that mm-hmm. notion that's what that's immediately what that made me think of that from that quote and from your follow-up that's what it makes me think of um kind of an aside because i want to talk about this when you say you refer to yourself as a badger or any other non-human label uh we don't have to talk about this if you don't want to it's just a curiosity the i think there's a growing kind of like are you familiar with the, the notion of like other kin? Oh yeah, and I I I I am familiar with that that, that thing and the, the Therian thing. Um, I actually wrote about it a little bit in um in the eco egoism essay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I you know I it's not something that I you know I I don't find myself feeling attracted to that space of and you know that area of uh mm-hmm. of, of thought it yeah it's it's um i you know i uh i i think uh as i referenced in the in the essay i um i think that zafar rakagog i've said his name right um the um a turkish philosopher very much informed by uh Elysian thought um described it well in terms of becoming animal does not mean imitating this or that animal um it, it, you know it's about becoming yourself becoming you self-overcoming yeah. and and with that um so I, I use the word badger specifically because you know i live around badgers i have a fondness for the you know the individuals that i that we call badgers i have fondness for them and i'm involved in anti-cult stuff um uh but yeah, you know, I'm. I'm not 
I don't feel that my um, okay. kin type is is badger. That I, you know, I I don't believe yeah. that inside of me there are two badgers, um, and and I, I I don't you know and I, I and I say that you know I, there's a degree to which I'm somewhat um, mocking in my tone. I, I don't want to you know. What any individual does is their is their life, and you, sure. know, I'm not, you know, you do whatever the fuck you want to do. It's just not for me. Um, I don't yeah. believe either they're my spirit animal or anything like that. That's not how I I experience the world. Um, uh, I'm not, you know, but I, you know, I'm not. As I say, I'm not into the dialectical thing of this doesn't fit my thesis, so I must negate this antithesis. <laughs> That's not what I'm doing. You know? Yeah, you do what you're going to do, um, and. Uh, and that that's that's fine. Yeah, yeah, no, and I and I'm not trying to come off as insulting either. It was just a curiosity because I've I've met a few people uh, that you know, for example, might identify as doe, right, as a deer, and that's I was curious if there was any. I was you know you kind of answered it if there was overlap, but like you said, it's not about imitating; it's about becoming yourself and then yeah. identifying somewhat with the non-human because, as you say identifying as human recreates that sort of dynamic so that was my curiosity and that's something that's a good response i i i appreciate that um you talked about your anti-call without getting into anything that's like bad operational security um how does your your larger view influence the way you do you view praxis i know that you're very skeptical of revolution of the notion of like collapse and we've talked about it before it was either the last episode or the first one they're they're very similar um that you talked about kind of collapse is always happening and so you kind of reject the sort of especially kaczynski and industrial collapse narrative do you want to maybe we can rehash that a little bit maybe connect that to the larger conversation yeah no it's fine so in terms of my how i link my anti cull practice um so it's, I am. We've been talking about this more um, uh, recently, um, mm-hmm. in terms of as a way of describing what you could call my activism, um, which is not revolutionary. Um, uh, I, you know, and is not like underground um, or above ground because I don't. <laughs> I don't really see those as um, very meaningful terms, um, certainly from my experience. Um, I um yeah you know, I I describe it as um non non-localizable uh, localism um which I differentiate from localizable non-localism um so uh non-localizable uh, localism well it's localism in terms of it you know what I do I'm focus of my care is very local to where I am um intensely local to where I am um I don't, you know, I, I'm not involved in projects that are focused on things that are, you know, very far away from me um, and that I have no kind of immediate relationship to. Um, mm-hmm. My care is, yeah, is very here. And it's non-localizable in terms of, you know, in many ways it's, it's kind of very hard to find if you're out, if you're not me, um, uh, which is, which is, intentional in a lot of ways first thing is it's intentional because um uh, i'm not interested in doing a spectacle of what i do um day to day month to month we you know in terms of that you know um uh it's hard to find in terms of i, I don't do the you know, here i'm ga- i'm doing this right here in the way that actress will go we're all going to gather here so you're you can find us yeah. straight away you know i yeah. you just go no you you you, you know, 
don't let anyone know that I'm going to do this before I do this. Um, and I very rarely let anyone know that if I've done anything. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't put like, <laughs> you know, it's not a event spectacle um, and it's not, um, it's not showy. Uh, it's, it's very, um, and that's, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. it's, 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 sorry, my, my, my brain went two places then. Um, but it, it, yeah, but it is, it's, it's, um, it, it is very individualistic in terms of, you know, I'm, I don't, in terms of, uh, I'm focused on individual, uh, sets and not like badges as this kind of collective in terms of the badger stuff. Um, so I, I don't, there are, there are activists who will try and, you know, go to however many, uh, sets they possibly can spread themselves out massively thin and themselves a lot of damage in the, in the process i focus mm-hmm. on a few sets that are close to me and that i have a um a strong relationship to uh um but that in terms of who's going to find them who's going to find me doing this um uh yeah that's um that comes in, in terms of like yeah it's not revolution i'm not i i, I believe that all I, I do view this um this culture uh in terms of civilization meaning this culture as revolutionary in terms of it's the agricultural revolution that hasn't stopped and all um as i see it all further revolution scientific um industrial political are just continuing that narrative um yeah or trying to continue that narrative even if they're framed in um kind of counter-revolutionary if you want to put it um uh rhetoric it's all part of that same thing of uh and I, I somewhat agree with the kind of the uh, agree with the kind of more horrible Marxist kind of framing of this. You know, of the revolution is dialectical, and that's how history works. Yeah, it, it, you know, it, it is just um, annihilate, um, negate anything that doesn't conform to our totalitarian system. And I see that as how revolutions work. Um, mm-hmm. as, which I think is, you know, if we're going to put any value in history, is kind of is proven historically that revolutions yeah. tend towards, or just always seem to uh, just reproduce those uh, those practices because um, it's part of that totalitarian narrative which agriculture is, um, which I'm drawing from Quinn there um, very much from because mm-hmm. you know you'd likened Masodma to Quinn. Quinn is a is a huge part of my inspiration um and then you know and in terms of the the collapse thing i know collapse to me is not very um does not fit the kind of uh, kaczynski <laughs> jensenite narrative of of collapse as this big revolutionary endeavor that has that um one glorious day or even you know uh, one glorious year or however you, you want to put it yeah you know, the revolutionary period and the overthrow of for me, collapse is a very everyday thing. Um, I think that people are experiencing as well. I I, I see people experiencing collapse um, a lot within uh, COVID nineteen uh, related experiences. Um, uh, there is a particular one that I will not um, do the story of out of respect for people, um, but one that holds a lot of meaning for me. And I'm actually is creating a degree of emotion in me right now. Uh, but yeah, there's, there's collapses happening. People are seeing systems fall apart and 
that can have some very uncomfortable consequences and can be horrible in lots of ways. Um, but it is a wild experience of civilization coming undone, which is not always something that is nice or pretty. It also happens in wonderful experiences of fun and joy and whatnot. Um, yeah, it, I don't. I don't believe collapse is a easy thing uh, to talk yeah. about, or, or you know, or when it happens, um, either as something that's horrible or something that's joyous. Um, even if it's joyous, sometimes holding that joyous space can be really, uh, or you know, having that joyous space not be invaded um, can be really difficult. Um, mm-hmm. Oh. I do believe it is something that happens, and I know it's something that I've experienced. Um. Yeah. Um, in terms of like that, the 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 conversation about collapse. Um, and you respond to this when I posted it on Twitter. The quote from Total Liberation by Anonymous: "That quote for those plants and animals already driven to extinction by civilization, as well as almost all non-civilized peoples, the apocalypse has long since come and gone, leaving nothing but death and distant prophets in its wake." A lot of the time people frame uh, civilization uh, collapse as apocalyptic, even if they're not bringing in the negative connotations of that. Uh, kind of, in Bellamy Fitzpatrick kind of goes into like, it's very kind of like Edenistic, Christian fall of man type of conversation. You know what I mean? Like Genesis style conversation. Um, that like, like the world has experienced this stuff already. Like, it, it's very like, egotistical and not the best way like framing like civilization or the human in that sense of like oh it's coming it's like well entire ecosystems have collapsed right entire life ways and cultures have have been replaced or you or assimilated by leviathan and civilization mass society whatever you want to call it that it's almost like it's misframing the conversation as a whole if that makes sense um i think there's sorry i in terms of I think that the, the collapse conversation has, on a certain way, mostly to kind of um, hit a very left-wing uh, form of narrative uh, that is very comfortable for environmentalists um, and anarchists, you know, uh, who have either come out of the left or have you know, strong ties to the left. Um, and, and yeah, it comes from that kind of revolutionary uh, way of framing things. And in terms of like, um, I'm not in terms of like the the whole idea of fall of man and all all that stuff. I am, um, there's some degree to which I I I feel there's a value in those sorts of narratives. And then there's also there there, there is issues with them. Um, uh, you know, in terms of. Yeah, I don't think it's either one way of it's all shit or all kind of wonderful. Um, I I think that it's much better, personally, um, to talk about uh, things that we've lived um, and not lived through and had that sensation of it is to kind of say... This is right. This is wrong. This is this has no value. This has all the value, um, and uh, you know, in terms of just, I I have a deep appreciation for a lot of what um, uh, 
uh, Bellamy uh, has written. Um, and then I um, uh, also somewhat uh, uh, horrified by some of it. Uh, and um, uh, horrified is perhaps a true, 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 too dramatic uh, uh, term to use. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I, 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 um, I think that there's, in terms of what Bellamy's talking about there, I feel there's some value to what he's saying. And also I feel that the stuff that he's critiquing also has some value to it. Um, but then it, you know, most of it on both sides is not lived experience, is not talking about, um, is not sharing our experience of being in the world. Um, it's talking about things as out there or back then. It's not immediate. And yeah. I am, um, you know, uh, I am I'm more and more reluctant to do that kind of back then or out there conversation mm -hmm. because sure. I, I do I, I do find myself finding that as a very insincere generally very academic um, and as much as you know I, I draw from the academy massively and then people will call me you know accuse me of writing word salads and that's fine um, I, 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 I do feel more inclined towards the um, this is what how I feel and and not have it so um, intellectualized have not have it so kind of overly rational overly thought out um, so uh, yeah that's that's the that's where my mind went to following what you said <laughs> yeah no and I appreciate that you know and so I've kind of thought about your writing and the kind of like you know how people journal sometimes it's not like oh I'm writing out a very thoughtful I'm just putting my ideas down to get them out there I'm not, you know what I mean? And usually it's for themselves, right? Most people don't journal for an audience. Some of you're writing, and this isn't bashing, it's just an observation, and many times it, it works well, is that it's kind of like journaling, right? It's like, here are my ideas. Here's how I'm feeling in the moment about this topic, as opposed to, I'm laid out a systemic theory about this idea. Does that make sense? Like, that's I, how it like, I mean, comes off to me, and I appreciate that. It's refreshing as opposed to, trying to read someone who's very obviously trying to be the next Marx for anti-civilization. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, so I, you know, in terms of, I very much, um, as I put in the Feral Life book, I, you know, I, I agree with Nietzsche, don't trust systematizers, um, don't trust people who want to build systems. And yeah, I, I could completely compare it to journaling in terms of, yeah, it's, it is me going, this is how I think, feel. And in terms of, yeah, people who want to be the next Marx for anti-civ, most of those people, most of those people come with a whole load of experiences that will be um, that, are, that are real and life, and it is life that they're that they're having there, and they will abandon that um, in, in favor of this kind of I've got to conform to this you know, to this hyper rational empirical scientific kind of you know uh, way of you know in framing my you know my perspective into an ideology that's, you know, I, I, as I, you know, I, something I wrote in Feral Life book, you know, I, I massively um, appreciate Zerzan most when he is doing personal stuff and not politics. Um, I, 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 most of the stuff I appreciate within primitivism is the much more uh, personal stuff where people writing are not writing about uh, not doing 
news type narratives or kind of like you know not doing that politics thing and talking about things that they've gone through things that they've done you know how they feel about things in a you know in a much more touchy bodily messy way um and i feel you know in terms of those <laughs> um just to to slightly uh bash someone and it's not meant as a bashing it's meant because i do value what you know a lot of they put out there but just you know reading uh kobe's book on like his primitivist revolution uh, thing i was just stunned by the lack of jacoby in it and just stunned by this idea of talking about like, something that for me is ultimately you know uh, i can't picture and anti-civ praxis as not being affirming the, the lives of wildlife and and with that the, the lives of living beings and just having just so little life within the text or so little life like represented within the text um mm. and and that kind of thing of you know there's so many people within this very small uh world of discourse are just trying to do, do like i'm, I'm going to create my little revolutionary system and be the be the next um you know uh the next uh kaczynski ultimately is what they want to be but we'll put it as marks to be more pc <laughs> uh if i remember is that repent to the repent to the primitive that, something like that, that. that one yeah something like that yeah yeah um yeah i largely agree that it's like it's hard to have anti-civilization without life affirmation not just for ourselves but for other living creatures right yeah. like or even defense of the non-living, right? Like you talked about mineral, a union of egoists including minerals, and like minerals are living. Like, minerals are living. Rocks are living. They're life. It is life. <laughs> All right, let me pick your mind. Can you elaborate on that a bit? I am very much. I affirm a hylozoic um, or panpsychic um, perspective oh, okay. of of um, you know, in terms of my philosophy of mind, philosophy of life. I every. You know, physicality is life is you know this is this this whole experience it's you know the air coming into my body you know we can call them minerals particles you know chemical components but it's life and it's coming into me it's becoming me it's at, at no point is it suddenly imbued with a soul and then becomes in terms of my perspective it doesn't suddenly gain this thing which is life as spirit or whatever it's it's all as, as i experience it which is very you know it's very similar to animism though i don't call myself an animist because most people calling themselves animists who aren't authentic animists are doing cultural appropriation flattery um uh so i you know and i don't come from you know i, I have no direct experience of a kind of animist praxis um i can read anthropological theories and whatnot or pagan's like ideas on it but like that's not the actual experience um so for me i you know i call it hylozoic or panpsychic and that was a big part of the feral iconoclasm book um, which is that I would, you know, trees are, are life, the soil is life, the, you know, the cliffs that I, I can stand on the edge of and look, you know, towards the sea and just feel that's all life, it's all living. Um, and it is affected by me um, as I am affected by it. That, and it is relational in the way that living beings relate to each other. Um, and in a way that will be totally different from my experience of those spaces affecting me, I will affect those spaces and they will have an experience of me being in them um, in a way that is, you know, is 
very much doesn't conform to a very humanistic um, perspective on what a living being has to be, which ultimately um, is always living beings from a humanist perspective generally are um, things that are similar or live similarly to uh, humans and kind of, you know, in terms of that, that, that idea of what a human is. So it's always, um, you know, how does it conform to what we, how we live? So we'll say that that's life. So does it, is it, is it life because it does X, Y, Z that we do? Yes, it does. Okay, we'll tick that as it's life. And I go, for me, I, I, I have a feeling of, fuck that. It's all life, um, you know, uh, in a way that is, um, yeah, much, much, <laughs> much messier. And, uh, and, you know, it might come off as woo to some people, but it's just what, how I experience it. Yeah. Um, again, I appreciate that you keep framing this as my experience, that you're not saying, like, again, and we kind of talked about it in, like, you, you mentioned you appreciate a lot of what Zerzan does. You may not like everything or agree with everything, but you can still appreciate it. And you're not, like, contrasting yourself in a, in a what is it, in a, not a competitive, but a, uh, in an aggressive way, which I appreciate. I think that's, you're fairly consistent in the way you manage that sort of stuff. The last thing we want, I want to touch on, this is a, kind of relating to some drama that you went through and I wanted to give you a platform. If you want to talk about it, if not, we'll just cut this out. Um, <laughs> go ahead. Issues of... What's up? Go ahead. Just, just I know what you're talk, yeah. going to talk about, so go ahead. <laughs> Your position on on veganism in relation to anti-speciesism in individualism in contrast to some of the vegan primitivists and individualist uh, vegans. And if you want to give a platform to maybe speak on that in whatever way that you want. Alright, um, I'm going to very much kind of bracket this in a few things I'm going to say. I might take a, a, a few minutes to do this. So um, so in terms of how I'm going to do this, first thing, my perspective on veganism, I don't have a perspective on veganism in terms of uh, I think this about vegans or I think this is right or wrong about, about vegans. I, you know, people, I, I am, in the same way that I'm against all politics, I'm not interested in food politics um i you know i am not anti-vegan i'm not pro-vegan um i describe my diet as conscientious cannibalism because i am earth earth is me and i'm whenever i eat i'm consuming earth and so i'm earth consuming itself so it's also cannibalism at the same time and that is the way that i describe my diet um and i am a living being trying to you know survive mass extinction culture as best they can. I, you know, I don't believe in ethical consumerism. Um, I'm for the most part comfortable with the diet that I, that I have. It's not, you know, it, it's not um, uh, pure in a kind of personal purity sense of kind of how a lot of activists will, will do things or a lot of uh, people will frame their rebellion as I'm going to live a perfectly pure life. Um, I'm polluted by Leviathan in the same way that we breathe in pollutants every single day. Um, but you know, I don't claim to be perfect, but I'm comfortable with, with how I do things on that. Um, how I view uh, other you know uh, people within the anti-civ um, world within um, you know who who have veganism as a huge part of their uh, praxis and and what they advocate for. Um, if, Veganism 
is one uh, one quality of anti-Civ rebellion that you know that for many has a lot of value, and I don't have any need to crap on that um, in terms of if I if I don't call myself a vegan. Um, I notice that veganism has very much become a mode of politics as a meaning with that a cause that is seeking to totalize in a way that I um, I don't feel entirely comfortable with in lots of ways. I don't feel this idea that too you know that we all have to conform to this mode of narrative um, regarding uh, what the right way to do is. That's not how, you know, that might not be what certain individuals within um, anti-civ vegan stuff um, are doing, um, or it might be what they're doing, um, but that's a mode of politics that I, that I see coming out into the, you know, into the world more and more. Um, I don't feel, you know, I don't feel like that necessarily has to mean that veganism should be rejected, um, but I don't feel that that means that I, I have to embrace political veganism um, because I don't feel I'm inclined towards that mode of politics as much as I don't feel in, inclined towards any mode of politics. Um, regarding the drama um, that, uh, that kind of happened in a very, you know, the way that it was, it was ultimately it was ridiculous, um, and I lost a great deal of um, uh, respect for the individuals involved um, in terms of what happened because I, you know, because I didn't uh, positively affirm um, or, or reject actually um, veganism uh, in the um, anti-speciesism, eco-egoism essay. Um, uh, yeah, the the the, res the the reaction that that lack of you know, me not going, I'm a vegan and I advocate this. Yeah, that the the what happened in response to that that was you know I, I lost a lot of respect and I don't really you know and it and it's very much I don't believe in you know, a lot of what the individuals involved in that put out um, anymore. I don't believe in, in a lot of their um, claims regarding themselves and their praxis and um, and I I took down. Um, a book review of one of the one of the one of them had written a book, um, and I'm not gonna you know, I, yeah, I, yeah yeah yeah, but I, I I took down that review because I have no, I don't have a desire to affirm that individual's work in the way that I did um, when I wrote that review. Um, yeah, that's the best way I can I can put that. Um, yeah, um, and obviously I'm not asking you to. You know, it's fine. You didn't name drop. I'm not asking you to. I understand. Um, my my one question. I'm pushing back on you. I I am largely in agreement with you, but I'm trying to play devil's advocate very quickly. Go ahead. How do you re rectify perhaps veganism or your I should say your non-veganism with? And I guess it's you kind of did address it. Is that there's no ethical consumption under the conditions in which we live? But is there a place for individuals? Like for example. Your anti-call philosophy, like, how is that any different from the perspective a vegan might have on their individual impact on 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 non-human life? If that makes sense. Um, my I don't have an easy kind of quick 
comfortable answer because I don't believe there there are easy, quick, comfortable answers. In terms, sure. In terms of rectifying, um, which you know, I I I I will openly admit to having contradictions in my life, and I don't I don't feel bad for um, having contradictions for being contradictory because I feel that contradictions are. Um, I think it's very important to um, to be a contradiction, certainly in the sense of being a contradiction that contradicts um, Leviathan civilization and politics. Um, so, in terms of, I, I, I recognise that you know, I, of course, I'm I'm a contradiction in in areas where I am you know, I'm using technologies that I find revolting. I am you know, driving a car that. I, you know, while finding car culture disgusting, um, and in terms of, I, I can't um, reconcile or bring them together in a way that, you know, just I can, I can say like this fits within uh, a systemic uh, thought in a way that is nice and comfortable. Um, but I don't, I don't blame myself for that in terms of, you know, in, in the same way that I, you know, I, I don't believe in personal purity. I am, you know, I. I am infected and polluted by this culture in the way that we, you know, if we're honest, we are all are, um, all of us involved in anti-civilizational discourse um, will be to some degree, um, whether that's just through breathing um, air that is polluted. Um, and in terms of, you know, I'm not, you know, I don't feel a need to disclose my diet. Um, uh, I've not actually said whether or not my diet um, does or doesn't conform to what might be called a vegan diet. Um, uh, but, and I don't consider my, myself in terms of, I don't frame the way I eat things in that way. Um, I am trying to live as healthily as I can do in a way that is not just healthy in terms of my um, like uh, healthy in a way that is eco-egoistically I am being uh, includes the health of the living world that I am part of and that I, that I am um, that I experience as an extension of my own being um, how how that manifests in my life is my life is no one else's life and no one else has any say in that in the same way that how anyone else survives mass extinction culture while trying to care for themselves care for the living world it, that is their lived experience that's their life and um i don't want anyone to like they have to conform to my standards um and i don't feel that anyone has to conform to what i feel be an acceptable a diet if I had a belief about what would be an acceptable diet. Okay. Yeah, I think there's a lot there to to dissect in the future if we ever wanted to, but I think that's like a whole, that's a whole other, I don't want to say mess, but that's kind of what it is to get into. And I also have the thing of, at least on this podcast, and obviously I introduced it, and I'm not bashing you, but going any further with it, talking about people without them there, you know what I mean? Talking about rather than to yeah. or with another individual um because i i always like the idea is if i if there's a very serious topic like this and then having that other 
either whether it's those specific people or people hold similar beliefs on to share their own perspectives because i think there's something to be said about talking about people even if we're not doing it construing their beliefs in a way that makes sense to us but may not represent their perspective or their belief on something uh if that makes sense so i'm going to kind of leave that there even though i'd like to continue to pick your brain and i i know i will in private over messages <laughs> um but i think you know we're pushing a little over an hour now i'm not sure what that'll look like post editing because our wonderful editor has a way of just finding all the worst shit to cut out and it's <laughs> much appreciated. So I think I'm going to, we're going to wrap it up here Unless there's anything else uh, that you maybe want to touch on, or if there's anything you want to leave the listeners with. Um, I, I don't know really. Um, uh, <laughs> almost just, as bad as asking you to introduce yourself. No, yeah, you're almost, I'm asking almost, you to conclude yourself. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to kill myself. Um, <laughs> Uh, I am just going back in terms of you you kind of opening up the idea of a conversation regarding uh, the stuff we've just been talking about. You know, as as I've kind of shared with you, I hope I've kind of reflected at at least one point in this conversation already. Um, I'm really not. I'm I'm really really open to hearing about other individual's experiences and why certain activities or um, practices whatever you want to call it uh, matter to them um, uh, and I am really interested in affirming those experiences um, and uh, having those, that kind of you know that experience of, of this is someone's uh, world. That, that, that's that's the world as as they encounter it, um, and I'm really, really, really uninterested with, 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 in doing the whole thing of um, this is right, this is wrong. We're gonna yeah. we're gonna have a kind of um, debate. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not interested in debating people. I, I'm not interested in in um, in, in in that thing. Um, I don't think. Uh, I, I more and more don't feel that argument holds um, much value when contrasted with you know because really what what makes up our worldview is not conversations or or arguments with people um, really it is the the lived experiences that we've had it's that that sense of this is what my life has involved in a way that you know I don't think that anyone listening to this is act, you know is going to be they're not going to be changed. By um, anything that I've said um, in a in a meaningful way, what I might have said might have tapped on something that was meaningful for them in their life experience, and might resonate with something that, and that might you know, might impact on on an individual in that way. And that so what I said might hold significance, but it's because of that life experience that's what's valuable. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm much more interested in the affirming of that experience rather than that kind of thing of um, let's figure out what the truth is regarding the matter um, and, and get to that thing of this is this is the answer. Yeah, definitely. And I'm, I hope it doesn't come off that I'm trying to like invite you on for like a de a, some mediated debate on, on veganism. <laughs> well, the, I'm, I'm, I'll, just, I'll just, since we've kind of almost put it out there completely, I, I, I was picturing like, you know, you wanting to do a um, 
uh, you know, whether it's uh, Zizak, Peterson, um, or Chomsky, Foucault, like, you know, thing or with me and uh, Ria Del Montana, um, and, and just have, you know, have us uh, <laughs> lash out against each other with viewers. No, 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 <laughs> no. I was thinking more, I just, the idea, like, for example, that I brought people on from, like, in the past that, you know, I've done an episode with someone, and then they said something mentioning someone or someone's ideas. I go out and find someone that represents them, then have them on the next episode without that other person just to give them their own space, the same way I provided the other person with their own space. Yeah, yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So, in theory, I could, in fun fact, we actually, I did an episode with Rhea and uh, one of her close friends one time. But the audio was so bad that we just couldn't save it. Our, our editor tried for like a week. He's like, I just, I can't fix it. <laughs> um, but you know, I've, I've wanted to have maybe Rhea, maybe someone else uh, on, on, because I find there is validity, especially since we have this weird following of like really macho primitivists who shit on everything queer or vegan or yeah. vaguely leftist. So whenever I have people like that on, it's really funny to watch them get mad in the comment section. <laughs> That's just another another wonderful reason. Um, but you know, like having to, I just like to make sure that people's ideas are represented. I think there's because there's some value in the podcast doing that. You know what I mean? Again, because I don't like all the time talking about someone without the other person being able to represent themselves because I think that's scummy. And I'm not saying we're doing that at all. Just to be clear, I'm not saying we're doing that. That's why I'm cutting it to some extent to not do that. But yeah, like I'm, I'm not trying to have you do a, a Foucault Chomsky debate. I, I would not be interested in that either because I know how that would go, and we would not upload that. <laughs> yeah, um, but I do appreciate that you said again, like you have interest in people's lived experiences, but you don't have interest in like duking it the fuck out, right? Like there's because to be fair, that that just never there's never it has never worked. Chomsky did not come to Foucault's position, and Foucault did not go to to Chomsky's, right? Like that just doesn't work. Um, most debates are for an audience as opposed to a better clarity of ideas. So yeah. I, I agree with you. Um, I'll end this here. This has been the, you know, the newest episode of Uncivilized uh, with Julian Lehner, who, again, thank you for coming on uh, four months after I said that we should do this. Um, I, I, always I always appreciate you having you on, so it's been awesome. Thank you. All right. No worries.